0: I'd like to welcome all of you to session number 11 tonight of the Appointed Times. And I want to open up in prayer. Father, I thank you for these, uh, this series that we've been able to go through about the Appointed Times, showing that everything in the Old Testament that you created as a festival, a feast, a, uh, an event, an appointed time, they all reveal one thing. They reveal Jesus. So tonight, as we go through Tishbeav, the ninth of Av, that I pray, Father, that uh, we will see everything that you want us to see and understand everything you want us to understand. Open our minds to understand the scriptures. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. These appointed times, they are all part of God's word. And they are each one revelations of more than just dates from the past. It's not just a history lesson. All of God's appointed times have an impact on the church. In fact, all of God's appointed times reveal the head of the church, our King, our Savior, our Lord Jesus. Even though these appointed times, the ones we went, on or went over originally, were established 1,500 years before Christ, they still reveal Christ because God is timeless We've covered the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks to Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, and we covered the eighth day. And that was the ending of the appointed times of Leviticus 23, 1,500 years before Christ. Those next three feasts or appointed times came after the time of Moses, but understand that they are still observed by the Jewish people even today. Even though they came after Leviticus 23. They are the Feast of Hanukkah, the Feast of Lots or Purim, and tonight's topic, the Ninth of Av or Tish Be'av. Tonight we will cover number 11, but it's not really a feast, it's a fast. The Ninth of Av or the Tish Be'av commemorates the Day of Calamity. That brought destruction upon Israel, like the Sabbath and the nine Jewish feasts. This event is has huge implications and revelations for us today. Yes, even the church. The Jewish people observe this day of suffering in July or August, depending upon how the calendar falls each year, and they observe it with fasting and mourning. What happened? What was it that happened on the 9th of Av that would cause the Jewish people to fast and mourn? What is it? The answer to that question goes all the way back to Moses and the 12 spies outside the promised land around 1,300 years before Christ. Moses sends out 12 men One from each tribe to spy out the promised land. And they return to the camp. And listen carefully. This is where the connection comes. They return to the camp. The Bible records that they return to the camp on the eighth day of Av. Av is the Jewish month. The night, that night after they return to the camp. The ninth of Av. The people cry out to God and they insist To go back to Egypt rather than enter the promised land and face the giants that live there. This was a horrible day. They came back on the 8th. They had been spying out the land, getting ready. God was going to give them the promised land. And they come back on the 8th of Av. And on the night, the 9th of Av, that evening, something happens. They make a decision. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to the very place that God delivered them from. So let me read it to you. Numbers 13, 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men, the spies returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. Caleb, he was ready to go. He was a believer. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread that this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. we were grasshoppers compared to them. In this scene, what I just read to you, on the ninth day of Av, on the Jewish calendar, the people are rejecting the very reason and purpose of the exodus from Egypt. They are rejecting The very plan and purpose of God, the covenant promise of God from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, now with Moses and Joshua and these people, the children of Israel, they're rejecting God's plan. The people refuse to put their faith and trust in God. And God takes an oath that none of the adult men, except Joshua and Caleb, will ever enter the promised land. They force God to take an oath. Their rebellion against his will and his way puts God in a position where his anger is roused against the people, and he takes an oath. None of you, none of the adult men, except Joshua and Caleb, will enter this land. This brought 40 years of suffering to Israel. 40 years. And they wandered in the wilderness until every adult man died. Do you see why the Jews set aside the 9th of Av as a day of fasting and mourning? There is so much more to this date. The 9th of Av. Do you know what happened next on the Jewish calendar on the 9th of Av? So let's fast forward some 700 years to now it's 586 BC in the time of the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Israel has again refused to put their faith and trust in God. But this time, rather than being outside the promised land, this time they are inside the promised land and specifically they are inside of Jerusalem. Israel has fallen into pagan idolatry. Understand their condition. They're in the promised land. They're living under the promise of God in the land as God's chosen people. But they have fallen into pagan idolatry. And they are even sacrificing their children to idols, to Moloch. When God calls for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to come and destroy Jerusalem. Notice that God calls them. God calls King Nebuchadnezzar to come. King Nebuchadnezzar comes. He destroyed Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and carried off the holy vessels that were used in the worship there. And what day? This is where the connecting of the story. First, it is Moses and Joshua and the children of Israel outside of the promised land on the 9th of Av. What day did Nebuchadnezzar destroy the Jerusalem temple? What day did he breach the wall? The ninth of Av. Coincidence or revelation from God? Like Moses in the wilderness, this judgment of God would cause many to die. And the people would be scattered when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Jerusalem. This time, it would be 70 years not 40 years. In the time of Moses on the 9th of Av, 40 years they would wander in the wilderness. Now, it's 70 years. Both begin on the 9th of Av. God's mercy will come upon the people again. But his holiness requires a response. Now notice in the time of Moses, God, God's wrath lasted for 40 years. That generation did not enter the promised land. And now God's mercy will come again. But his holiness requires a response. This time it will be 70 years. They will be exiled from the promised land. They will be pushed outside the promised land. As a people for 70 years. But his mercy will return. Jeremiah twenty nine ten. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. These are the exiles. You will have to leave the promised land because of your idolatry and your shedding of innocent blood. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then, but then, I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. Do you see the character of God? His mercy. I will come for you and give you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. He's going to bring them back into the promised land. In the time of Moses, they didn't want to go in. Now in this ninth of all event, they're in, but they don't want to follow God while they're in the land. I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord "They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope And in those days, in the future, when I bring you back, in those days when you pray, even though you're in a foreign land, even though you've lived under God's judgment, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. How comforting is that? I will be found by you says the Lord, and I will end your captivity, and I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Do you see the ninth of Av brought the wrath of God, but the mercy of God followed his wrath. I will bring you back home at the end of 70 years. Now, this next fact about the ninth of Av dispels any concept of coincidence. So let's fast forward from 586 BC when Nebuchadnezzar destroys the Jerusalem temple and let's go all the way past the time of Jesus to 70 AD when the Romans come and destroy the rebuilt Jerusalem temple. We call it Herod's temple. And now we're about 40 years after the time of Jesus. Do you know the date that Rome destroyed Herod's temple? The 9th of Av. The same date that Nebuchadnezzar breached the wall on the first temple. This time the Jews would not be scattered for 70 years. It wouldn't be 40 years like it was the time of Moses. Outside the promised land. And it wouldn't be 70 years like it was in the first temple when Nebuchadnezzar came. But this time it would be 2,000 years. And it all began on the 9th of Av. The 40 years of wilderness wandering during the time of Moses began on the 9th of Av when the people rebelled against God's plan and cried out, what did they want? What did they want? They were afraid to follow God and they wanted to go back to their comfortable life of slavery and bondage in Egypt. 40 years, it cost them. And then the 70 years of Babylonian exile began on the 9th of Av when the people turned to pagan idolatry and they sacrificed their children to idols. 70 years they lived outside of their land. That generation also died. You see, in both cases, an entire generation died. So I ask a question. Why did God allow the Romans to destroy the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD? And why was it on the same day that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple in 586 BC? In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says these words, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often... I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. You see, in every one of these cases, in all of these ninth of of events, God wanted to bring Israel under his wing, under his protection, and do great things in their lives and through their lives, but they wouldn't let him. In the time of Moses, come take the promised land, but they wouldn't let him. In the time later, he has them in the promised land. And now they're following false gods. Sacrificing their children to false gods. He wanted to gather them as his people, his chosen people. But they wouldn't let him. And I read it again. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen. Protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you won't let me. And now, 40 years, roughly 40 years before Rome will destroy Jerusalem for a second time. Not after, after Nebuchadnezzar, ninth of Av event. Now another ninth of Av event will come. And he says, here's the judgment. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I'll tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch Abba Adonai. That's the Hebrew word for blessing, is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you see it? Do you see the ninth of Av in context of these other previous events? Let me connect them one more time. The 40 years of wilderness wandering, rejecting God's plan, and what what did they want instead of God's plan? What did they want? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to bondage. Let's go back to looking at those other gods, the gods of this world, the gods of the Egyptians, when God wanted to reveal the one true God himself to them in a promised land. The 70-year exile in Babylon, they were turning to idolatry and child sacrifice. After being set free from all of that, they still want to go back into bondage and idolatry, even after they've been set free, even after they've been given the promised land. And now they have what in this third scene of the ninth of Av? They have rejected God's Messiah, God's son, God in the flesh. They have rejected God in the flesh and their house will be abandoned and their house will become desolate. Do you see why the Jews fast and mourn on this day called Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av? And the terrible thing is this, you know, from today, let's just come back to today. The terrible thing is this many of the Jews who survive, who observe, excuse me, many of the Jews today who observe the ninth of Av with fasting and mourning, still, still to this day, cannot or will not see Jesus as the Messiah of God. You see, here's the truth. Jesus knew about the 70 AD ninth evolve event in advance. When he came, he knew, he knew what was going to follow him some 40 years after his death, burial and resurrection. He knew. In Matthew 24 verse one, here's what he says. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. Like, now look at all of this glorious temple in Jerusalem. And he responded, verse 2, do you see all these buildings? I'll tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished on the ninth of Av, in the future. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And we know that when, when, when Rome came, when Titus came, he destroyed the temple, tore it down, burned it up. The Gospel of Luke records the events of Jesus entering Jerusalem that last time on what we call Palm Sunday. And it's interesting that Jesus weeps over the city. Why? Why is he weeping over the city? Obviously, you would say the first reason is that he knows that they're going to reject him. He will enter the city with Hosanna, but just a few days later, they will crucify him. They are going to reject God's Son, God's salvation. But He knows about the ninth of off. He knows that will come some 40 years later. He knows what's going to happen. Let me read it to you Luke 19 41. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, He began to weep. He knows. Now I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. What is the way of peace? In in the Hebrew language, it's shalom. What what is the way to shalom, shalom? What is it? That you come under the shelter of his wings. Stop fighting against him. Surrender to him and allow um, yourself, follow him. Stop resisting his will and his way. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late. You see, there's a point of no return. In both of these, uh, now there's three of these ninth of, of events. There's a point of no return. There's a point that you go so far that you can't get back. That generation was lost. Moses, that 40 years wilderness, that generation is lost. In the time of Nebuchadnezzar, that generation, 70 years, that generation is lost. Now, Jesus describes the time that it's, now it's too late. It's too late. How I wish you would understand the way of peace, but now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, he's, he's announcing the event that's coming. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls. The Roman army's coming. And they will encircle you and close in on you from every side. And they will crush you in the ground. And your children will be crushed with you. How horrible is this announcement? It's unstoppable. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Jerusalem will be destroyed on the ninth of all. Why? Because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. I offered you shelter under the shadow of my wings. And you refused that shelter. Because you did not accept your opportunity of salvation. All three, listen church, all three ninth of all events are based on that single truth. Moses, the first temple, the second temple, all three are based on a single truth. Because you did not accept the opportunity of salvation that I gave you. Does that have relevance today? Does that affect the church today? Yes. There are some 600 years between the destruction of Solomon's temple and Herod's temple. The first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. The second would be destroyed by the Romans. And they both occurred on the same day of the Jewish calendar. There is no coincidence. There would be some 40 years between the time that Jesus would make that statement in Jerusalem because you did not accept your opportunity of salvation. Before the Romans would come and destroy the temple and scatter the Jews around the earth for listen, for some two thousand years, roughly. So here's a question for the church. Here's where we come into the story. Why the forty year gap? Why was it forty years before the ninth of Av event in seventy AD that destroyed Herod's temple that Jesus announced was coming. Why? Do you know the answer to that huge question? Inside that 40-year gap, the church of Jesus Christ would be birthed. The church would be born and commissioned during that time gap. And here's why. The church would open a door to the Gentile world to come to know Jesus as Messiah. Jesus announced an unstoppable movement of God. It's called the church upon the earth. This movement would begin before the Jews were scattered around the earth. Now, I find this to be so important and also revealing. Why the 40 year gap? Why not just bring the destruction in, in pretty much immediately? Because before Jerusalem would be destroyed and before the Jews would be scattered and killed, leaving their land for 2,000 years, he would use them as seeds to grow the church, to birth the church. They would be the seeds. Before the Jews were scattered, they would be the seeds of the church. In fact, let's make it clear. The gospel of Jesus Christ was given first, was given first to the Jews in Jerusalem. Before it ever came to the Gentiles. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It, Paul says I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. That Paul is a Jewish man. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. And he, he's going to reveal the order. To the Jew first. And also then to the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish. How? By faith. And the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. What was the problem in Moses' ninth of all event? The lack of faith. What was the problem in the days um, when Babylon comes and destroys the temple? The lack of faith. Not putting your trust in God, but putting your trust in false gods. And what is the problem when Jesus, the Messiah, comes and God reveals himself through his Son in Jerusalem? They would not put their faith in him. This good news, verse 17, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It first came to the Jews. I just read you the stories. And then it comes to the Gentiles. The church age begins inside that 40-year gap before Jerusalem is destroyed. This is accomplished, how we're made right with God, from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Romans. He was called by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But it was revealed first to the Jews... The unstoppable movement of God began with the Jewish people. They would be the seeds through which he would come and reveal himself. In fact, the Bible is written and inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, through the Jewish people. So let's go to Matthew 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, what are we looking for? What were the seeds? Where did the gospel message begin? Jesus is in the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But then he asked them, he makes it personal, but who do you say that I am? By the way, I'm convinced that heaven and hell await the answer to that question for every individual on the earth. But who do you say that I am? Is Jesus God in the flesh? Is He the Son of God? Is He the Messiah? Is He the Savior of the world? But who do you now? Now it comes down. It starts with who does the world say that I am? But it always comes down to an individual question. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, who is Jewish, answered, "You are the Messiah, the Son of God." This is called faith. This is believing. It's more than an intellectual thing. It is by placing yourself under the shelter of his wings and under the purpose and care of his power and authority. And Jesus replied to Simon, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You're not going to get this understanding of God and the reality of Christ from the world. You must get it from my father. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So the question is: some, you know, the the Catholic Church believes that Peter is the rock, and that's where the Pope kind of thing comes from. And the Protestant Church we believe that that the the rock that. We believe in is the, the confession of faith of Peter. It's the rock. What? That by faith, not in a man, not in a pope, but faith in a man, a high priest named Jesus, we believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And he is the rock that we stand upon today. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The Word of God came through these men. Do you understand? I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in heaven. So who are these people who first experienced the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? So now the church is going to to be birthed inside that 40 years. Who Who are the people in the church when Pentecost comes? Now understand... That We've studied these feasts that the whole concept of the day of Pentecost, it was a Jewish festival. It's Jewish. It's going to be held in Jerusalem. To be a Gentile in this crowd would make them unclean. So it's a group of Jewish people celebrating an appointed time of God. Pentecost. Not Gentiles. Jews. They are the seeds. In Acts 2 verse 1 on the day of Pentecost, all the believers. Now these are the, all the believers at this point of time were Jewish. It had not gone out to the Gentiles, not yet. Now all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or, or tongues of fire sudden, uh, appeared and settled on each of them. And every person present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. What's happening? In this scene, Jesus had already gone to be with the Father. He's already uh, risen to the right hand of the Father. But now he's coming back in the person of the Holy Spirit. And now as he's coming, supernatural ability is coming inside of All of these believers, they're speaking in other languages. And at that time, why are they speaking in other languages? Because there are multiple nationalities of Jewish people, language Jewish people in Jerusalem for Pentecost. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken. By these believers who were filled with the spirit of Christ. The Jewish people were exiled. So let me summarize something. The Jewish people were exiled on the 9th of Av in 70 AD. And that exile lasted until 1948. So we have Pentecost. And it's 40 years before Rome comes and destroys Jerusalem. But they will be exiled. The church is birthed inside, that, inside of that 40-year gap. So I want you to understand something. By the time Rome comes and destroys Jerusalem, scatters the Jews, the church, let's just say roughly, is 40 years old. 40 years it's been in existence. And the Jewish people will be exiled until 1948 when the nation returns to the land of Israel. Supernaturally. Now I'm convinced that that in itself is a supernatural move of God. How in the world could any nation, be, any people, not nation, any people be scattered around the world for 2,000 years and, lose, and not lose their identity and not be assimilated into the cultures in which they've been scattered to. But the Jewish people remained Separate they remained unique. And after 2,000 years, they start coming back. World War II brings them back. The events of the world bring them back. But it wasn't until 1967, in my lifetime, that Israel regained control of the holy city of Jerusalem that was destroyed on the 9th of Av by the Roman army. So I'll ask you a question. Did God forsake his people forever? Did he forsake Moses and his people forever? No, 40 years later, he gives mercy. In the time of Nebuchadnezzar, did he forsake his people forever? No, at the end of 70 years, I will bring you back. In 70 AD, when God destroyed Jerusalem through Titus, when the Romans came and brought judgment Because you refuse your time of salvation. You refuse the Messiah. Did God forsake his people forever? No. In 1948 he brings them back. In 1967 he gives them Jerusalem again. And I hear the words of Jesus. Today. Today I hear the words of Jesus. You will not see me again until you cry. Baruch ababashim Adonai. You see. What Jesus was saying that day. The next time you see me, you will know who I am. You will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you know, for that to be fulfilled, they would have to again be in Jerusalem. Well, in 1967, from that day forward, they can say that. Baruch of Shem Adonai. In the wilderness, God gave them the promised land after 40 years. In the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God brought them back to the land after 70 years. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus and the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD, God has restored Israel and Jerusalem in 1948 and 1967. And during that time, during that 2,000 years of exile, what was happening? The church was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ across the whole earth inside that 2,000 years. God's word is true, and God's word is certain. We must listen, believe, and obey his word. This is God's word to Moses about the future. Let's go back to Moses. Deuteronomy 30. In the future, when you experience all these blessings... And curses. See, God God can see he's timeless. In the future, when you experience you and Israel, when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, he's already talking about in the future you're going to be exiled. And when you're living among the nations that I have exiled you, take to heart all these instructions. If at that time, You and your children return to the Lord, your God. And if you obey with all of your heart and all of your soul, all the commands I have given you today, then... Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. He announces in advance that you're going to go through a season of the ninth of Av, the fasting and mourning. You're going to be scattered out of the land. But if you will turn to me, I will bring you back. My mercy will follow my judgment. Verse 4 even though you are banished to the ends of the earth and let me just say in 70 AD they were banished to the ends of the earth even though you're banished to the ends of the earth the lord your god will gather you from the from there and bring you back again the lord your god will return you to the land that belonged to your ancestors And you will possess the land again. In 1948, 1967, we saw the fulfillment of this. They're back in the land. And then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. Not only did they come back in 1948 and in 1967, but they became a superpower inside the Middle East. They they turned the, the barren deserts into like a Garden of Eden. I've seen it with my own eyes. Go to Zechariah 10, verse 6. I will strengthen Judah and save Israel. I will restore them because of my compassion. I will be as though I had it will, I will, be, it will be as though I had never rejected them. Do you see God's mercy? For I am the Lord their God who will hear their cries. The people of Israel will become like mighty warriors and their hearts will be made happy as if by wine. Their children too will see it and be glad. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord. And when I whistle to them, you know, as horrible as World War II was, as horrible as the Holocaust was, you know what happened by, as a result of World War II and the Holocaust? The Jewish people around the world knew. We have to go home. There's no place on earth safe. We have to go home. And let me just bring it to today right now. It's becoming clear that that again is happening. That they're needing to go home. There was a story just this just a couple days ago about uh, Jewish people flying back into Russia. They're, they're living in Russia. Jews living in Russia. And when the, the Arabs... Uh, Found out that the plane load of Jews were coming into the airport. They rushed the airport as if they were going to go and kill the Jewish people. Why? Because they're Jewish. And that's forcing people, Jews, even in America. Uh, and I know that several, uh, there's large groups coming from all over the world, even America. Now, um, Taken Aliyah, that's what they call when, you, when they move back to Israel. They don't even know why. They're not, they're not necessarily believers in Messiah. They just know that to be Jewish, the only safe place we've got is to go back to Israel. Listen to verse 8. And when I whistle to them, they will come running. Do you see it? You know, you're watching this happen right now. They will come running, for I have redeemed them. From the few who are left, they will grow as numerous as they were before. In 1948, what was there, like 600,000 Jews? And, And now there's over 7 million living in Israel. Though I have scattered them like seeds among the nations, they will still remember me in distant lands. They and their children will survive. And they will return to Israel. I will bring them back from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will resettle them in Gilead and Lebanon until there is no more room for them all. And they will pass safely through the sea of distress. That's the ninth of Av events. They will pass safely through the sea of distress for the waves of the sea will be held back and the waters of the Nile will dry up. The pride of Assyria will be crushed and the rule of Egypt will end by my power. How's this going to happen? By my power, I will make my people strong. And by my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. So here's the question everybody wants to know. What does this have to do with the church today? How should this truth affect us today? First, let me say this. Faith. The essence of the church is faith. To believe and obey God's word. What got Israel in trouble in every one of the ninth of all events? Refusing to believe and obey the word of God. In the time of Moses, the promised land is yours. All you got to do is walk in and take possession. By faith, take possession of that he has promised you. That same thing as us. Take possession of that which God has promised you by faith. He has promised you a place in the kingdom. Alongside, not replacing Israel, but joining Israel in the family of God, the children of God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through Messiah, Jesus. What does this have to do with the church? We can see God's hand in our generation regarding Israel as a nation back in Jerusalem. Can you see it? He's regathered them. It's been 2,000 years now, and the Jews are back in the land, more numerous and more prosperous than ever before. And will we, let's ask the question, will we be the generation that sees the fulfillment of God's ultimate promise? What is is all of creation waiting for? One event. Everything. Even from the time of Moses to today. All of creation waits one event. Jesus' return. All of the feasts that we have covered in this series all reveal a single thing. Jesus eventually coming to reign on this earth all of them I want to read Matthew 23 again oh Jerusalem Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings but you wouldn't let me I just want you to visualize this picture of Jesus's desire for his church today, that he opens his wings and offers us a place of safety and security under the shadow, under the shelter of his wings. But you wouldn't let me. But you wouldn't let me. I want you to come close to me. I want you to put your faith in my word. I want you to put your faith in my name, in my promises, in my covenant. But you wouldn't let me. That's the whole story of the ninth of Av. May it not be our story. Verse 38. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. That was the 70 AD announcement. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until. I am so happy that word until is in that sentence. He didn't say you will never see me again. I'll never be back to Jerusalem. He says the next time you see me in Jerusalem, you'll you'll know who I am. And you will weep and wail and mourn as you weep and wail and mourn after a loss of an only child. Because you will know, you'll see the one who is pierced in Jerusalem one day. He's coming back. The ninth of Av, a time of mourning and fasting, but also a time of hope and celebration. God has revealed his faithfulness to many generations on the ninth of Av. In every ninth of Av event, he was followed eventually with mercy. Did you see it? In the wilderness wanderings, 40 years followed. By the promised land. They did finally go in the promised land. That generation lost it. The first temple destroyed. Seventy years. Followed by what? The return from exile. Ezra and Nehemiah. They come back. Rebuild the walls. Rebuild the temple. Reestablish worship again. The second temple is destroyed. And the church age begins. And the gospel of Jesus Christ goes through an entire Goes throughout the entire world. Do you see in every ninth of Av event, eventually God's mercy comes and He offers His goodness to the world? Has the ninth of Av appeared since then? Now I gotta tell you, this next part should blow your mind. It's amazing to me. Listen carefully about the future. Since the 70 AD event, has the ninth of Av had any worldwide significance? Yes. On the 9th of Av in 1290, in 1290, on the 9th of Av, all the Jews were expelled from England. A day of mourning, a day of horror. All the Jewish people were expelled from England on the 9th of Av in the year 1290. In 1492, you know the date from school, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Do you know that in 1492, Queen Isabella of Spain issued a decree that all the Jews must leave the land of Spain by a certain date? The Jews of Spain were given four months to get their affairs in order and leave the country or die, or they could convert to Christianity. Do you know what the date was? The ninth of Av. But that's not the big mystery. Do you know what happened on the 10th of Av? Do you think God's hand is not protecting his people? On the 9th of Av, they had to all be out of, they had to convert to Christianity, leave the country, or be executed. The Jewish people in Spain, 1492. Do you know what happened on the 10th of Av? You can't make this up. Christopher Columbus departed from Spain with three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria on the 10th of Av, one day after the Jews were expelled. Columbus sailed from Spain to find a new world and he found America. Do you know what country? Listen, this is where all the pieces of the puzzle come together and we should see it. Do you know what country became the largest refuge for the Jewish people during their 2,000 years of exile? America. The day that Spain closed its doors to the Jewish people on the 9th of Av. God opened a door for the Jewish people in America through Columbus and what he would do, what would happen in the future through this nation. Can you see Jesus in the 9th of Av? Can you see the spirit war for David's throne? Well, you will in this next one. On the 9th of Av in 1941, well, just a few years before the Jews would be reestablished, 1948, on the 9th of Av, 1941, Reich leader of the Nazi party, Heimlich Himmler, formally received approval from the Nazi party for the final solution, they called it. The Holocaust began, in which one-third of the world's Jewish population perished. On the 9th of off. And by the way, both world wars began. World War I, World War II, both began on the ninth of off. World War II and the Holocaust, historians conclude, was actually the long drawn out conclusion of World War I that began in 1914. In 14. And yes, amazingly enough, Germany, Germany declared war on Russia, effectively capitulating the First World War into motion. Catapulting, not capitulating. Catapulting the First World War into motion. On what day? On the 9th of Av, Tishbyav. The 9th of Av is observed by Jewish people around the world by fasting and mourning. But we must also understand that God has revealed His very great and precious promises to us through the same event, through the ninth of Av. The ninth of Av reveals God's kindness and His wrath. And that's where I'm going to close this session. This event, the ninth of Av on a Jewish calendar, reveals His wrath, but it also reveals His kindness and His mercy. We must pay close attention to both. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But His mercy endures forever. In Romans 11, this is to the church, the Gentile church. And Paul writes, notice how God is both kind and severe. He's both. He is severe toward those who disobey, but kind if you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. Listen, the ninth of Av, the horror of God's judgment, the point of no return is still real. The ninth of Av. if you don't follow him into the promised land, if you rebel and want to go back to Egypt, he will cut you off. Church, if you try to go back to Egypt, Egypt is a picture of bondage and slavery and idolatry that Jesus has set us free from. Don't look back at Egypt. We're moving to the promised land through the power of our Christ, our Messiah, I want to read it again. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobey, but He's kind to you if you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will experience a ninth of all event in your own life. You will be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they'll be grafted in again. Praise God. For God has power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, Gentile church, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So, if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you, Gentiles, into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. And I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourself, Gentile church. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. Yes, they do. But this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. One day that door will close. The church age will end. And so, verse 26, And so all Israel will be saved, as the Scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from where? Where is he coming from? He will come from Jerusalem. And he will turn Israel away from their ungodliness. And this is my covenant with him. What will he do? What's his promise, promise to Israel in the future? I will take away their sins. I will redeem them. Based on the history of the ninth of Av I have given you tonight. How important is it for you and I to trust and obey God? What is every ninth of Av event about? The refusal for people to trust and obey God's word Moses the promised land let's go they refused to trust and obey in the time of the first temple pagan idolatry had led their hearts away from God even child sacrifice falling away from the word of God the word of God they fell away from the word And here comes Jesus. The word of God is Jesus. And to fall away from him brought the 70 AD, 9th of all. And for 2,000 years they're scattered. But church, listen, in that 2,000 years, the Gentile world, the church, has had an open door to join the family of God, the children of Abraham, not to replace Israel. To join Israel as the children of God. One last scripture. Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me. Obey my commandments. Faith. It is to believe. And obey. God. Father we thank you for this series. We thank you for your word. We thank you Lord that mercy in every case. followed the ninth of all that a generation might have been lost, but you took the next generation back under your wings. And I pray, Father, for mercy upon this generation. We pray for Israel for the day that you will open their eyes, remove the veil, and bring them back. And we pray for the church that you would awaken your bride and we would see that which is in front of us and we would walk by faith under the shelter of your wings and the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.